Today on Blue 58, training camp brings the weird takes out of the woodwork. On this episode, we're going to discuss a whopper posited by two national media figures within the last week, namely that Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Muirdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. And this is going to be one where we take exactly one topic and kind of blow it up. I like doing these episodes because we get to dive deep on one thing in particular. And as I mentioned, in the not-too-distant past, training camp brings us a lot of fake storylines, a lot of stuff that's here today, gone tomorrow. This is an opportunity to step back from that and take a look at the larger conversation. And sometimes that larger conversation gets a little bit silly. Reading the book Gunslinger by Jeff Perlman right now. I'm getting caught up on a lot of reading. One of the things they don't tell you about having a newborn is there's a lot of downtime. I mean, sure, you're like on the clock 24 hours a day trying to keep this, you know, new thing alive. But most of the time, it's just like checking on it to make sure he's breathing and, you know, he's not screaming. Other than that, it's it's a lot of sitting around and uh, I can fill that up with a lot of reading. So I'm getting caught up on football books that I haven't had a chance to read yet. Gunslinger by Jeff Perlman is one of those. And I'm just at the point in the book where Brett Favre is retiring officially for the first time, 2008. And the national media landscape was a lot different at that point because Favre, though he'd been in decline for a few years, despite an excellent 2007 season, was still largely venerated, I think, by the national media. Not so Aaron Rodgers, who is roughly the same age that Favre was when uh, Aaron Rodgers came along, he has started to feel some heat from national media types, particularly two in the last week who have decided that now is the time to declare that Aaron Rodgers is overrated. And it's understandable from a certain perspective. Football has started up again. There's all sorts of stuff out there about what's going on in training camp. The Hall of Fame game is happening as we record this podcast. you got to work a little bit harder to stand out. And what better way to stand out than to take a shot at somebody for absolutely no reason. I mean, it's August 1st. We haven't played a football game in six, seven, eight months. You got to rake somebody over the coals for no reason, right? This brings us to Bucky Brooks and Dan Patrick. Both have declared, Brooks in an NFL.com article and Dan Patrick on his radio show, that Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Bucky Brooks writes in his piece, that is basically a summary of all the anti-Rodgers pieces of the last two or three years, that Rodgers being overrated comes down to three things. Stats, wins, and injuries. Here's a representative sample of his whole piece. I don't know if the entire thing's worth your your time, so we'll just read a chunk out of the middle here. Quoting, at length here, Since mid-2015, Rodgers is just 24-24-1 as a starter with a 62.7% completion rate and a 96.4 passer rating. Additionally, The QB is fresh off a season that saw him record the second lowest completion percentage of his starting career, as well as the fewest touchdown passes in a season where he played at least 10 games. Given this clear decline in Rodgers' play over the past two years, the Packers' QB just can't be ranked as the top player at his position, especially when so many quarterbacks across the league are playing lights out. I know so many people disagree with me. He's the gold standard at the position, an NFC personnel director told me this week. It's not as clear cut, clear cut, excuse me. He needs to play in an offense that lets him air it out and enables him to control the action at the line of scrimmage. When he's healthy, we've seen the Packers win big with 12 at the helm. That last qualifier, when he's healthy, is no small thing. Injuries have definitely taken a toll 
on the 35-year-old signal caller. He missed the majority of the 2017 season due to the second broken collarbone of his career and has been compromised by additional ailments in recent years, including a tibial plateau fracture and an MCL sprain last fall. I don't think it's coincidence that his efficiency from the pocket has simultaneously deteriorated. After averaging a healthy 8.4 yards per attempt and completing 66.3% of his passes from 2009 through 2014, Rodgers has seen those figure drop, figures drop. Considering Rodgers has finished with a completion percentage below 65 and a passer rating below 103 of the past four season, seasons, it is time to take away the hall pass we've had at number 12 when it comes to any criticism directed at his game. Before we address his substantive points there, such as they are. I think Bucky Brooks is about the only person working in NFL media in any capacity who thinks Aaron Rodgers has gotten a hall pass over the past year, two years, three years. I mean, Tyler Dunn of Bleacher Report by himself has put, you know, basically constructed a cottage industry that comes down to criticizing Aaron Rodgers, his play, his personal life, his personality, how he interacts with his teammates, his leadership, and he's helped or Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley stay in the spotlight as he's done that. But let's not talk about Bucky Brooks in particular right now. Let's move on to Dan Patrick. Patrick criticizes Rodgers' soft skills, his decision-making, his leadership, his mental toughness, his body language, his intangibles, his performance in the clutch. Are any of these things true? Is Aaron Rodgers overrated? Maybe, but also maybe not. How should we decide if these things are true? What do we actually do to evaluate quarterbacks? Because I'm not sure either of these is the right approach. I think first and foremost, before we get to criticism of Brooks and Patrick or evaluation of Rodgers in particular, we need to say first that uh, all quarterbacks are probably overrated to a certain degree. I don't think there's any position in football that is more overrated than the quarterback. Important as it is, when things are going well, nobody in football gets more undeserved credit and less well-deserved blame than a quarterback. The flip side is probably true, too. When teams are playing poorly, quarterbacks probably get disproportionate blame, blame even that they may not deserve. But generally speaking, I think quarterbacks are probably thought to be more important than they are. I mean, even if you've got a super-duper star quarterback, he can only do so much, as we've seen with Rodgers a lot in the postseason. But secondly, we have to use the right criteria when we're evaluating quarterback. Both Brooks and Patrick, I think, use markedly wrong approaches here. Let's dive in to that. Before we go any further, I have to point out that we are in August now in Northwest Ohio, and that brings with it a host of cicadas outside my windows. I've tried my best to reduce their impact on the podcast as much as I can. It only goes so far. So pretend that you are out on my back deck with me. We're just talking football in the backyard. It's a bit of a one-sided conversation. Feel free to chime in if you'd like. I can't say I'll respond in real time, but uh, just do your best to imagining. Imagine me either agreeing with you or... Um, good-naturedly agreeing that we we may not see things exactly the same. I'd like to think that each of the listeners here, we could have a, a very nice discussion together, though. So, back to quarterbacks. When we evaluate quarterbacks, I think we have to use the right criteria. And I think both Brooks and Patrick use the wrong criteria or go about it the wrong way. Bucky Brooks wants to do things with stats, with quarterback wins, and with injuries. And Brooks points out, 
fairly that there are some stats that paint Rodgers as not doing so well, which is fair. A lot of his stats have gone down. Passer rating has gone down. Completion percentage has gone down. Uh, Just a lot of the raw numbers are down. But stats are not born in a vacuum either. And he leaves out a 16-game stretch, a full season's worth of games from mid-2016 through early 2017, where Rodgers has been as good statistically as he's ever been. From week 6 of the 2016 season to week 5 of 2017, or in other words, right before the the run-the-table run in 2016, up through his last full game before his collarbone injury in 2017, Rodgers was fantastic. In that stretch, he completed 418 of 618 passes, 67.4%, for 4,625 yards, 43 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. That's a passer rating of 108.8. Compared to the leaders in the 2018 season, his completion percentage would have been just outside the top 10, his yards would have been fourth, his touchdowns would have been second, and his passer rating would have been fourth. Those are pretty close to elite numbers in that stretch, if not elite. Just look at the passing touchdowns. Stats aren't telling the whole story there. It's easy to just look at his year-end totals and say, yeah, he hasn't been as good, but there have been long stretches where he's been very, very good. And it's disingenuous to say his stats haven't been good when in large part his stats have been affected by injuries. More on injuries in a second. Secondly, he talks about quarterback wins. If you are a regular listener to this show, you probably know that I think quarterback wins as a stat are bunk. It's stupid to evaluate one person or to to quantify one person's performance based on the performance of an entire team. Yes, quarterback is very important. Yes, quarterback play is probably largely more closely tied to wins than any other single player on a football team. But it's not the whole thing. It's not entirely his fault. And it's not entirely up to him whether or not the team wins. Look at this, for example. Since 2015, when Aaron Rodgers has had a passer rating in a game under 95, the Packers are 7-18. and 18. Put simply, if Rodgers is not playing well, the Packers do not win. But in that same time span, the Patriots are 14-9. and nine. New England doesn't seem to have much trouble putting up fairly decent results even when Tom Brady isn't playing particularly well. Tom Brady still gets all the credit for those wins even though he didn't necessarily play that all all that big of a part. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get the same help that a lot of other quarterbacks do or at least other elite quarterbacks do. And we've seen this happen time and time again in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers puts the Packers in a position to win but the other team wins on a late field goal or touchdown or whatever. We've seen it happen time and time again. Quarterback wins are just not a good way to evaluate a quarterback's success. Then there's injuries. Brooks brings this up, and it's fair to say Aaron Rodgers has been hurt a lot the last couple years. And I hear avoiding injuries is a skill a lot, and I'm never sure what it means. What skill is Aaron Rodgers supposed to be using here? All three of Aaron Rodgers' significant injuries since whenever that first collarbone injury was, have happened on relatively routine plays. What exactly could he have done skill-wise to have avoided breaking his collarbones on relatively routine tackles? What should he have done against Chicago last year to avoid that tibial plateau fracture? Maybe it was his skill that prevented that knee injury from being a torn ACL. Maybe he had been working on that skill in the offseason, and it was only that skill that allowed him to avoid a more significant injury. That's just something that we can never know about. And it's just such a fluke thing that, I mean, 
how do you even use that to give someone credit or blame? I mean, look at Tom Brady. Again, we keep going that back to that example, but since so many people seem eager to declare him the best quarterback of all time, let's talk about his injury avoidance skill. How come he didn't avoid that torn ACL that ended his season? What was the deal there? How could he not get out of the way of that play? Sure, maybe it's a testament to his injury-avoiding skill that he's avoided other significant injuries, but maybe he's just lucky. Maybe it's just worked out that way. A lot of players seem to just have bad luck when it comes to injuries or bad skill when it comes to injuries. I'm not sure this is a super strong case. It's fair to point out that maybe he has worn down a little bit due to these injuries, but on the other hand, what is he supposed to do? Then there's Dan Patrick who, again, relies on a lot of soft skills to make his evaluations here. He credits or he criticizes Aaron Rodgers' decision-making. Well, the coaches in Green Bay seem relatively fine with his decision-making on the whole. So if you've got a problem with that, that's fine. The people calling the shots in Green Bay haven't really cared. Leadership. His teammates seem to be fine with his leadership. Outside of Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley, you can't find a whole lot of people who have negative things to say. Mental toughness? Don't really know how you'd measure that from the outside. Unless you're having daily conversations with Aaron Rodgers, I'm not really sure what you can say about his mental toughness. His body language? Wow, we're the body language police now. Okay, you want to start going down the body language trail, it's going to get messy because a lot of players have problems with body language when things aren't going very well. If you start Googling body language and just about any NFL quarterback, you can find examples of their body language not being that great, of them saying or doing or acting in a way that makes it seem like maybe they're just not super happy to be there at that particular moment. The intangibles. Okay, intangible by definition is something that you cannot measure, yet we know for certain that Aaron Rodgers has worse intangibles than other people. I don't even know how you'd get to that point, but okay. Then you talk about Aaron Rodgers being not so great in the clutch. Well, we've already talked about he get, how he gets shafted by his defense time and time again, but let's circle back to 2016. The Packers are playing the Atlanta Falcons on the road, and they lose late. After Aaron Rodgers has put the Packers up late, only to see the defense give up a late drive uh, to Matt Ryan and the Falcons offense, in which they take the lead and give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers with about 30 seconds left. Rodgers can't get the Packers down the field for another late score, and my, Bob McGinn rakes him over the coals. I wrote this in response in in part. Enough with the Aaron Rodgers is not clutch narrative because so often things just don't go his way. Here's a big part of that piece, which you can read at acmepackingcompany.com and thepowersweep.com. In 2008 alone, Rodgers put the Packers in enemy territory with five minutes or less four times. Twice game-winning or game-tying kicks were missed. Twice the Packers punted from inside the 45. On two other occasions, Rodgers gave the Packers the lead or brought them even, only to see the defense give up a late score. In 2010, Rodgers drove the Packers into field goal range against the Redskins, but Mason Crosby missed a field goal and the Packers fell in overtime. That same season, Aaron Rodgers tied a game against the Atlanta Falcons late, but the defense gave up an easy drive to Matt Ryan, allowing Atlanta to kick a game-winning field goal. In 2012, Rodgers was the victim of the Packers' defense on three separate occasions. Against the Seahawks, Rodgers led the Packers to a go-ahead touchdown with 8.44 remaining, only to see Russell Wilson throw the game-winning interception to M.D. Jennings. Ha-ha, fail Mary joke. 
Facing the Colts in Indianapolis, Rodgers gave the Packers a 27-22 lead late, only to have Andrew Luck respond with his own touchdown drive. Starting on his own 20 with just 35 seconds left, Rodgers pushed the Packers into Colts' territory, only to have Mason Crosby miss a 51-yard game-winning field goal. Finally, in Minnesota in Week 17, Rodgers manufactured a 78-yard drive to tie the game 34-34 with 2.54 left, but the Packers allowed Christian Ponder and Adrian Peterson to push down the field for the game-winning field goal. Rodgers never had a chance to complete his comeback. In 2014, Rodgers was clutch in the playoffs against Dallas because he gutted it out on a gimpy calf, but then he wasn't clutch against Seattle because the defense couldn't protect a 16-point lead. Last year, he was clutch. He wasn't clutch against Detroit and Green Bay because Mason Crosby shanked the game-winning field goal. But then he was clutch against Detroit because of a dubious face mask call and Richard L- Rodgers lumbering down the field to catch a hail mary. And then there's Arizona, where Rodgers was clutch because of Jeff Janis, but then not really clutch because Demarius Randall forgot to cover a Hall of Fame wide receiver. The piece goes on. My point is, Aaron Rodgers has been clutch only to become not clutch because of somebody else's actions time and time again. Whether or not a player is clutch is probably not definable at all, and even if it is, it's probably based on things that are not up to that player anyway. That is a terrible way to evaluate whether or not a quarterback is good or bad. We have to use the right criteria when we make these evaluative statements or these takes or whatever you call it. We have to use the right criteria. Here are two kinds of criteria that are actually worth something. The opinions of people who know better than you do and better stats. Let's talk about the opinions of people who know. Part of the thing that set off Bucky Brooks with this piece by The Athletic talking about quarterback tiers, sorting all the quarterbacks into the NFL into various tiers. This survey of 55 NFL players, coaches, and executives named Aaron Rodgers the best quarterback in the NFL. Here was some of what these people who do this for a living had to say about him. A defensive coordinator. Rodgers is a stud. It's never dead with Rodgers. He has eyes in the back of his head. Special. The piece continues. Since we do not know what plays are called and we do not know what his audible ability is from the outside, I'm looking at this as who do you want on your team and who is hardest to defend by your definitions. Rodgers comes out tops on both. Another Rodgers defender, quoting directly from the piece now, said he charted all the catchable passes Rodgers delivered that were not caught through the bulk of last season. His conclusion, Rodgers' incomplete passes were better than a lot of starters' highlights. Another coach says, this one a defensive backs coach, debating whether Rodgers is in the top tier is the equivalent of asking whether LeBron James is the best basketball player because he's just so gifted with some of his abilities and there is no way you can say a Matt Ryan is better even though there are some years statistically where a case can be made. It continues. Rodgers is the only one that can do any everything with the least talent, a different defensive coordinator said. Brady makes tier one decisions but cannot carry the team in the same way. New England has the system and the running game. Put all the other quarterbacks on that Packers team and who do you think would succeed? Not many. Don't like those anonymous quotes? How about some real ones? Here's Bill Belichick. I mean, he's a great player. He does everything well. He reads coverage as well. Very accurate throwing the ball. He's got great touch down the field, short, intermediate. They get a lot of catch and run plays. A lot of that is because of his great accuracy. He puts the ball right on the receiver and doesn't have to break stride and he can just keep running with the ball. Very mobile in the pocket, extends plays, really good vision down the field, uses the cadence well, a good situational player. I mean, he's one of the great quarterbacks in the National Football League, no question about it. He does everything good. He can even play golf. He's a good golfer too. And Belichick does lay it on a little bit thick sometimes, but he's not blowing smoke all the time. 
Tom Brady. I watch his game and it makes me want to get out there and practice and improve because I think he's so phenomenal with how he manages himself in the pocket. His ability to throw the football is unlike anyone in probably the history of the league. It's pretty awesome to watch. Vic Fangio, the former Bears defensive coordinator before their game last year. There is no one way to stop a great quarterback like himself. Some people say pressure him, he can hurt you there. Some people say drop a lot of men into coverage, he can hurt you there. That's why he's a great quarterback. There is not not one way to stop him. The only guy who comes close to his release over the years is Dan Marino, and I think his is better than Marino's was. Mike Zimmer, the Vikings head coach, great defensive coordinator, has battled Rodgers a lot over the year. He says he's amazing. The things he can throw, the things he sees, I think they should trade him. I've been in the NFL 20-some years, and I can't remember a guy that does the things that he does. Obviously, we've played against Brady and Peyton Manning, other Mannings, all these guys. This guy, when you combine everything, his arm strength, his intelligence, his escapability, the way he sees things, it's great. Even Mike Pettin says it's a gift to be able to go against him each and every day. These are people who either play against him or consider him a peer. They think he's the best. Even Tom Brady says he is his inspiration to try to get better. Then we've got stats. You want to look at the right stats when you're making a case against somebody. Here's a few that I use. I think these are better than just throwing out the volume numbers or even the rate stats. I'll start with passer rating. It's not great. It's not a perfect stat. It's probably worse now than it's ever been because of the way that uh, that the NFL has changed. However, I will still defend a passer rating as an evaluative tool a tool for evaluating quarterbacks because of its ubiquity. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Everyone kind of knows what it means. This says Aaron Rodgers has not been as good. So consider that as you make your evaluation. I'll also point to adjusted net yards per attempt. This is a great measure of a quarterback's overall contribution to the passing game. This too says Rodgers has not been as good. So that's another point for the anti-Rodgers folks. This combines yards, sacks, touchdowns, and interceptions all into one number. If you're good, you should be above about eight or so. That's where the real elite players have been the last couple years. Rodgers hasn't been close there. I also like defense-adjusted value over average, DVOA, and defense-adjusted yards above replacement. Two kind of related stats. They're adjusting adjusted for performance versus a league average player. Uh, value over average essentially is value per play of an individual player. Yards over against replacement is a value overall. In 2018, playing on an injured leg, Rodgers was 8.2% more valuable than the average quarterback. He was ranked 13th in that measure league-wide and ranked 9th in that other metric. In 2017, in just a few games, he was rated 14th in DVOA. DYAR really doesn't matter there because he doesn't play enough to accumulate a lot of volume. 2016, he was ranked 8th and 6th, 15th, 17th, and 17th, 14th, 1st, and 2nd, respectively, 13th, 6th, and 10th, 2012, 4th, and 5th, 2011, 1st, and 2nd. This kind of points to a guy who has had one bad year in the last eight or so, seven, two injury-affected years, and a bunch of top 10 finishes just about every other year. Looking at this entire picture, looking at the opinions of the people who play against him, who coach against them, looking at stats that actually mean something. We've got to look at the bottom line here. Is Aaron Rodgers overrated? And you can look at a few different answers here. Maybe he is overrated because the stats don't look super good. Other stats don't look so bad. It's tough to say, though, because he's been injured a lot. You could also say no. 
Because the people who matter, the decision makers, the other coaches, the people trying to stop him on a weekly basis, don't seem to think he's overrated. They seem as scared of him as they ever have. There is also the possibility that asking whether or not is uh, whether or not Aaron Rodgers is overrated is the wrong question to begin with. The better question might be whether or not Aaron Rodgers has been good lately. And according to his standards, the answer is probably no. But generally speaking, he's been doing pretty great. A much more interesting question would be how well will Aaron Rodgers play in a new offense this year? Or how will Aaron Rodgers age into the final years of his career? Or when will the true fall of Aaron Rodgers come? Because it comes for every quarterback. Just about every elite quarterback, no matter matter how good they are, eventually falls off a cliff. It happened to John Elway. It happened to Dan Marino. It happened to Brett Favre. It happened to Steve Young. It happened to Troy Aikman. It happened to Peyton Manning. It will happen to Tom Brady. It's going to happen to Drew Brees. It's going to happen to everybody because that's just what happens. You get old, your body breaks down, and you can't do it anymore. Asking whether this is the year that happens to Aaron Rodgers because of the things that have happened the past couple of years is a much better and much more interesting question than whether or not he is overrated. Beware the clickbait articles out there. And if you happen to click on one, think about it critically. Don't just react. Make sure that the standards they're using are standards worth paying attention to because that's going to make you a better reader of these articles and a more interesting person when you try to have these discussions with other people. So I've got for you on this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. I appreciate everybody who takes the time to download an episode and tune in. If you like what you've heard and you want to help us keep this thing going, the best way to support us is to leave a rating and review wherever you would happen to listen. That does help more people find the show. If you want to take your support to the next level, the most straightforward way to do that is to donate a dollar per month at patreon.com slash the power sweep. One dollar per month is enough to offset our hosting costs for the show and for the site, and it just goes a long way toward helping us build the content we know you love both here and on thepowersweep.com. And don't forget to check out our supply of great t-shirts and sweatshirts by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you have an idea for the show or you just want to say hi, Reach out at thepowersweep.com on Facebook or Twitter or by emailing thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out. And as always, every bit of feedback you give us helps us make this entire show, Blue 58, and the Power Sweep better, which furthers our mission of helping people become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.